Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Riley takes a perfect game. Renato, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is there also at Chris Tannehill. And thank you for making Locked On Sox your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On Sox is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Sox, both on YouTube and on Twitter. 312-566-8727 is a way you can leave a voice message, and apparently we're going to start with some of those. Locked On Sox at gmail.com is a way you can leave an email. And, man, I know, guys, I know. First playoff game in a while. Last year, I really don't count. Whew, God, that's stress. It's not fun, Chris, is it? No, it's really not. And uh, usually ask me how, how, you're, how I'm doing, uh, and I'll tell you right now. I wish the Lord would take me now. Uh, that's how we're feeling here after this one. The Sox lose 6-1 to one in game one of the ALDS. One that I can't say that we, we didn't see this one coming, but it's just, uh, as always, the, the route to get there is always up for debate here. And uh, we, we will get to your voicemails here in just a second. But just overall... Uh, a very disappointing showing in game one. But you come back tomorrow, hopefully with Lucas Giolito of 2018. You know what it is for Lucas Giolito, what he was in 2018. Lucas Giolito, worst pitcher in baseball. So you come back with Lucas later on tomorrow, and uh, you come back with a win, and you feel good about it. But you know, I don't know where to start or where to begin here. You know what? Let, let's we'll, we'll parse through this together. Let's stick to the plan here. Uh did you do the first listen thing? Did you mention that I'm I'm in a blind I'm in a blind rage here. I'm not even listening to anything that's happening here right in front of my very <laughs> eyes and ears here. So um, let's let's uh, you know what a, a beacon, a, a shining ray of hope as always uh, on this program. The Locked On White Sox voicemail three one two five six six eight seven two seven three one two five six six eight seven two seven. If there's anyone in our fan base that's been supporting the show for a long time, that's going to give us some insight and just, you know, uh, shine a ray of positivity on our show. It's our, gar- it's our guy, Mark. Hey, Chris and Herb, Mark in Litchfield Park. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game because I don't want to think about this one ever again. I don't want to dream about it, hear about it, see anything on it, talk about it. Not good. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so about that. All right, uh, Mark's got some points, but unfortunately, we are contractually obligated to talk about these games, and we're going to do so. I, I would love to sit here and do a game two preview all day long and talk about the splits and all that. We did that yesterday, and, it was, and we thought we felt good about Lance Lynn, but it, apparently it was all useless. Uh, everyone who came out and said, hey, Lance Lynn shouldn't be out there, uh, they were probably right, but what are you going to do? You can't not throw the man in the first two games of the series. This is your number one pitcher you just gave a nice hefty contract to, but I guess that's as good a place to any to start. Why deviate when we've done this all season long? We always start with the man on the mound. Uh, Lance Lynn, 
in this one, Herbie. Uh, and no bueno. Three and two-thirds innings pitched, six hits, five runs. They were all earned. Two walks, huge walks, and four, mm-hmm. four strikeouts. Uh, his uh, postseason ERA is at uh, 12.27. Lance Lud, not not very good today, Herbie. Yeah, not good at all. And by the way, I want to see those people, those uh, Johnny-come-latelys. Yeah, I didn't want Lance Lynn to be pitching versus Houston in the first game. Like, speak up before. Like, put that out on Twitter. Put that out on on whatever podcast you guys are doing. Come on now. Lance Lynn was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I thought maybe after that second inning where he gave up that one run hit by Jake Myers, which I guess if you're going to get beat, get beat by one of their worst, even though that guy is a – uh, minor league stud for them who just came up for them but in that lineup he him and martin martin maldonado are probably their worst hitters and i after that second inning, i was like all right cool calm, calm down you'll be fine and of course walks tuve i was like come on man let's let tuve get on some way because we got that man behind him and luckily for us michael brantley's like you know what i'm gonna hit i'm gonna try to bunt for a hit Oof. i was like thank jesus Thank Jesus, Mike Brantley. You're not hitting a double? Mercy. That's awesome. And, like, he just couldn't get out of his own way. Like, the walks were bad. The pitch location was terrible. The calls by Yasmani. Okay, let, really let's bad. get to that. So, in the post game, I was watching it. I watched it all. When I got home, it's exactly what you want to do. Like, the game ends right when I'm pulling up in my driveway. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the family's, you know, excited to see me for some reason. You know, I've been out all day, you know, and trying to figure out how my kids' day went at school, how my wife's day went at work. And it's just like you're just in a foul mood the second you walk in the door. And I, I say, hi, how you doing? Okay, goodbye. I'm going downstairs to watch the post game and see what they say about this. Uh, just a, a really remarkable, remarkable game one performance. And, and the whole Tony thing, you mentioned the, the pitch selection there. Tony in the post game, Coach Tony, he said that you know he didn't like the the pitch sequencing. He he didn't like the the, the game plan from Lance. Um, said he had good stuff, just didn't like what he threw. And then Lance was asked about it after the game by Maddie Lee. Who Maddie Lee does does a really good job coming over from the Cubs beat at NBC Sports Chicago, and she asks really good questions in the post game. I think on a regular basis, so I give her her flowers here. But she asked Lance Lynn about that, about the pitch sequencing and the pitch selection, and Lance said, "No, I used all my pitches." And look, Lance Lynn, we know what he is. He's a one pitch pitcher. He throws variations of the fastball. And that, that's what he is. Um, and he did a lot of that in this game against the Astros, but it was it was ticked up a, a, just a notch or two. I think he threw 97% fastballs in this game. You, you know, he, his normal repertoire, the four-seamer, the cutter, the sinker, and very, very sparingly he'll work in a change and a curveball. And he didn't really – he just did a Lance Lynn thing. The problem is when you have the two leadoff walks that come around to score, you can't issue the free pass against a good team like this. But what did you make of the, the pitch selection thing? I, I thought this was a pretty good sampling of what Lance Lynn typically does. Now, I, going back on my notes here, I did think he looked decent in that first inning. He, he hit 95. Pitches had movement, and he struck out Altuve, and I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. on what that was. I don't know if that was a cutter. Cutter. It looked y- like a cutter to me. Yeah, so he, it was a really nice pitch there to one of their best hitters, and he gets Grant, uh, Brantley into ground outs and Bregman on the soft uh, line out, and I thought he, he was going to be faring pretty well, but then next thing, the leadoff walk, and, and you know what happened after that. But what did you make of that whole pitch selection debate that happened in, in the post game there? Not necessarily his pitch selection. I didn't mind. Like, I know he throws fastballs. 
but I was mining like non-competitive pitches. Maybe command and control were a little off. Like he was throwing balls way off the plate where they're not even offering. Um, usually you get Lance nibbling around the corners. He's working the corners inside out, keeping hitters off balance. I thought a good omen was seeing him strike out a guy who doesn't strike out that much in Tuve. I was like, sit your punk ass down. Lance is on one today. It just didn't happen. Um, He throws fastballs. That's what he throws. So very high in the zone. There were, there were many that were too high in the zone for my liking, you know, and I think ultimately that was the, that was the root of it. But I I just don't understand the whole back and forth about, about sequencing. You know, it's Yaz's job. Uh, to call those pitches there, and I don't know what else he could have called uh, in a situation like that. Maybe, hey, uh, let's call for a strike three instead of a ball four uh, when you when you're pitching to Alvarez. You know what I mean? And he you know? missed he missed his spots a couple of times. I yeah. mean, with Yuli Gurriel, he made him look dumb. I think it was in the second inning with a high fastball, like a face high fastball. That's good pitch sequencing. So the result was good. It was a good uh, battle. Yuri, I think, uh, fouled off a couple of pitches. They're really tough. That was, I think, also the story of the game early. Tuve was tough to strike out. Yuli was tough to strike out. But it took like eight, nine pitches for those guys to finally go down. And he was off, too. So I don't mind them saying that Lance Lynn was the guy. I had a feeling he was our ace. If they would have went with Lucas and he would have lost, people would be like, oh, let's go to Lucas. You go with your ace. You know, like we said last night, this is a game where if you get it, you're playing with house money with Lucas coming game two. You don't get it. You know Lucas going to be dedicated and focused on winning this game. And I think most of the pressure is on Houston because they're going back to the team with the best record in the American League at home with the White Sox. So you better get that game at home tomorrow on Friday. Well, later on today, Friday, or else the White Sox are going to have two home games and they stole home home field. Yeah, man. And I, Lucas, remember, he's had some issues in the day with the day games in the past. And I don't know if he's ever had coffee in his life, but he may want to experiment tomorrow morning in Houston. You know, it, it's, it's not an early game. It's not a Boston Marathon, a Patriots Day type game time here, but it is a one o'clock central start. So I, I do have some worries there. That's the only thing that's different to that, that the Lucas doesn't seem to drive well with is those day games. So he's going to have to start cranking up the Red Bull very early uh, with, with his breakfast there. But yeah, man, uh, I, Ozzy was talking in the post game show about how that's not always a great strategy because now you put even more pressure on yourself on game two and, and all these guys are going to feel a little bit tighter uh, that you know, gonna hold the bat tighter, and Lucas probably gonna feel the pressure. But that's just the situation that we're in right now. And anyone who says that they shouldn't have pitched Lance Lynn in, in games one or two—that's that's just foolish. You know, I, the, mm-hmm. the numbers were obviously not good. We talked about it at great detail, but you, you can't hide your your number one starter, who you, you know is one of the main reasons you're in this spot. You can't hide him in the postseason. That's just not how baseball works. And he's earned the trust to be able to go back out there. I thought he'd make the adjustments. I thought he'd have this game circled on his calendar and say, you know what? I have the exact game plan for these guys. I've seen them enough. They've seen me. So I, it's my turn to adjust back to them. That didn't happen. And and, and sadly, uh, that, that's the situation the Sox are in down uh, 0-1 here heading into game two. Uh, let's get into uh, th- another – I don't think any of the voicemailers touched on this, but what did you think of – you know, this is not, you know, whenever the Sox lose, it turns into a Tony La Russa thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But, I, I, you know, I did find it curious, though. 
I, I like the move to get Ronaldo Lopez up and warming in the third inning. Uh, to close out the third inning, Ronaldo Lopez was warming, and then Sox hit in, in top of the fourth, and then bottom fourth, Lynn comes back out, and then he struggles again. So what did you think of that move to not bring in Lopez in that situation? Is that a spot where you think okay, the, the, the starting pitcher has earned the trust of his manager uh, and he should be allowed to stay in that game? What, what do you think of that move made by Tony there or the move that was not made in that situation? <sighs> um, he's your starting pitcher, and he's probably been one of the best pitchers in the American League. He's earned the trust to go back out for the fourth. But when you see him struggling – you have a short leash on him in that inning. And I don't think he had a short enough leash on him. Now, Michael Brantley's going to get a hit versus either Lance Lynn or Ronaldo Lopez there. It's going to happen because fucking Michael Brantley. Sorry, Tecna. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what he should change his name to, by the way. <laughs> just, He's so damn bro. good, man. He's so damn him. good. But I love watching him, though, man. He's a hell of a hitter, man. Always has been. And we've seen it time and time again. And, you know, they were calling it a, a sack bunt. No, he was just trying to bunt for a hit in that first at bat, yeah. I think. And then, exactly what it is. But Yoan's just good. Yeah, exactly. And just, oh, God, he's so smooth out there. They call him Dr. Smooth, actually. And, you know, I, I hate the fact that he loves their culture so much because he signed so quickly in the offseason in January. And we uh, had to have Adam Eaton very early on in the mm-hmm. process. But, yeah, he's, you know, guy's fun to watch. But it was the most predictable thing ever. And I think when you look back at this game, and as far as Ronaldo goes, I think if your gut tells you to get this guy up and warming, you should follow through on that decision. You know, and mm-hmm. not not let your pitcher talk you out of it because you are the Hall of Famer baseball person, and you know I'm legitimate. I'm a Hall of Famer. So you have seen this play out many times in the past. So I think you should trust your gut on that, Tony. Like if you feel like I should have someone ready here, then you have the opportunity there to put that guy in. And, and Ronaldo, you know, he pitched you know fine in in his uh, outing there. He didn't put people on base. I mean, mm-hmm. he did uh, issue one walk, but. Um, so I guess what I said was just wrong, but he was he was pounding the strike zone for the most part. He he didn't work a lot of uh, lengthy counts. He he pitches two innings. He has one hit and one run. Uh, he gave up that bomb uh, to to Alvarez, but but overall, it's not. We talked about it. If 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 Lopez is in the game, it's probably not going as planned anyway. So ultimately, it probably doesn't matter at all. But I think Tony should have followed through there. Uh, with his guts if you would have had him warming. But I also get what you're saying about trusting your starting pitcher here. Back after a short timeout on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, there's so many different makes and models of automobiles these days, it's become impossible for your local chain store or auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need. So why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Well, I don't know. Uh, you wait till the person behind the counter orders the parts that only their computer has, choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry. Why would you put yourself through that when you have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? It's your phone. It's right there. Pick it up. Look at it right now. See, the thing with rockauto.com is not only will you save time, but you'll also save money as well. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even twice as much for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For an example, you're looking for a fuel pump, right? It's about $353 from a chain store, only $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers and people like me and you for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer, do-it-yourselfers, and professionals alike. They've got everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. 
So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And do us a favor, won't you? Write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Can I ask you a question while we're in the mode of maybe blaming Tony La Russa? Yeah, man. What did you think about... Yoan hitting second, Luis Robert hitting fifth. Yeah, I, I first guessed this one because when that lineup came out during crosstalk with Lawrence Holmes and Parkinson Spiegel, that was the first thing that came to mind. Luis Robert has been hitting in the two-hole, and he's been playing lights out. He's been one of the best players in all of baseball in the two-hole. And then when it matters the most, you move him. Now, I'm not lineup guy i'm not a lineup easter as joe madden used to say during the regular season like there's nothing that i hate more and then it's just a it's a june evening and you know the Sox are playing i don't know the the tigers or something and you're looking forward to a, a pretty in, inconsequential night of baseball but you're looking forward to a Sox game and the lineup comes out and people are just on twitter arguing about the goddamn lineup like to me like that's silly because there's so many things that go into that who's feeling what type of way on that particular evening or day it just to me it's just so much wasted energy arguing about lineup construction until it's the postseason and the variance factor is extremely high and you want to have your best players getting more at-bats. And uh, I did not like Luis Robert hitting so low. Now, it's not a knock on Yoan because Yoan had himself a, a nice day here. He got himself a hit and he hit the ball hard a few times. But, you know, uh, your best players should be given the most opportunities to succeed. And I'm guessing that's how you feel about this as well. Yeah, Um I was surprised. I was shocked. I even actually just glossed over initially, and then I looked again. I was like, whoa, 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 who's that hitting fifth? Luis Robert? Wow. One of our best hitters hitting fifth. And that's all I want. I want the best hitters to be up at the lineup. And I understand. I've asked for Yohan to be at the up at the lineup because he gets on base. And he had a good game today. He got on base, like, what, two out of four times he was out there? That's good. That's solid. But Luis, I think, got on every single time with an air hit by pitch and a couple hits. So yeah, I want that beast up there and maybe tomorrow or later on today, we'll get that wish when we get him against Framber. But yeah, it was very surprising. It's like when you get to this period where I don't know how many games in a row Luis has been hitting second or up in the lineup. And then you're like, eh, let's switch it back just because Yohan hit a home run. I think on Saturday versus the, uh, Tigers thinks he's maybe caught something. Yeah, I, I, I want to keep it the same. Yeah, I get that. I get that logic, but not not at the risk of uh, you know of of not having Luis Robert up there. Man, that's that that was a misstep, and I don't have a problem with with Leary being out there today. I, the only issue I had with that is I, I was not comfortable with Adam Engel being out there, and I know it's easy to say after he goes over four, but he did not you know finish the season with with any momentum going into the postseason and I know defense matters but he uh he has not looked good he has not looked like himself for quite some time and this is after we've been throwing all this praise at Adam Engel ever since we started this podcast and, and his transformation into uh, a dependable player I would have maybe thrown Leary out there in right field and and to you know against the right-handed pitcher like McCullers I would have liked to maybe have seen Caesar at second base and Leary mm -hmm. and Wright, uh, I didn't like the fact that they gave Caesar uh, the, the day off because we talked about that as a guy where 
you know, you would like him to have that fresh start in the postseason and be able to, you know, wipe the slate clean of everything that happened in the last last couple of months since he came a white became a White Sox. So I would like to see him in the lineup, but it's not like you're clamoring for for a guy that's been hitting the cover off the ball either. Like this is these these are all if you're if you're arguing about Leary versus Engel versus Cesar Hernandez, you got some problems, and uh, you know that's what happens when you don't hit the ball out of the ballpark. You know, TA. You know, uh, you know, goes one for four, scores the run there, uh, but that that strikeout to begin the game, uh, going way outside the zone there, and uh, mm-hmm. we got we got to tip our cap. That's not the way you want to start the game, obviously. But Lance McCullers, man, I, I don't know what you can say about this guy. He's damn good, especially against the White Sox. I don't know how you hit that breaking stuff ever. He goes six and two thirds, four hits. Uh, and lots of four strikeouts and no runs, and he was absolutely dominant out there. I don't know how any any, any hitter hits that stuff ever, uh, but especially in, in a spot like that, man. But he was pretty damn good. But but overall, just the offense today, just uh, lackluster. And we talked about it, man. Like you know, if you can't hit the ball out of the ballpark, lots of weak contact back to the pitcher, lots of ground balls. You know, this is sort of you know point I was trying to make earlier. This is when when we stay up stay up late at night, Sox fans, and and things that keep us awake, and think about ways to lose a game. This was pretty much the the prototypical White Sox loss of 2021, where defense was slightly sloppy, but it didn't mm-hmm. it, it didn't cost you the game. But it wasn't crisp. You didn't hit the long ball, and you you didn't really have many opportunities uh, a lot in this game. So it was, it was just a really frustrating day all around. I know. I just kind of just vomited a lot of stuff there at you, but wherever you want to take it from that point, uh, you know, if you go back to the line of construction or wherever, just it just nothing, nothing really good came out of this game except Jose Abreu being an absolute warrior out there. I think the antithesis of this game was where Bregman hits the rocket shot down to third. Yo, grabs it, turns around, hesitates a little bit, gets the ball, and Altuve slides around Grandal. It's a great play, but slightly off defensively. Like the play itself, I think you got to go to first and get the person out. Make it 2 nothing. You got the bases empty, and you're battling versus the next guy. Then you open yourself up to a bigger inning, and that's what happened. I think uh, Bregman scores on a double by Alvarez immediately after that, so it's 3 nothing, and you're behind the eight ball. It's the antithesis of the game. The White Sox didn't strike out a lot versus McCullers, but their bats weren't great either. Like they did a decent job. I thought they, of, I thought they were good but, early. Like I thought the yeah. game plan early. They worked some deep counts, and McCullers is known to walk you, but yeah, he, he, didn't, he walk didn't walk any, anybody. Yeah, didn't walk yeah. anyone today. And I thought they 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 got deep counts and they tried to go the other way a lot early. Which I thought is a pretty good approach, especially when you when you, you know what they say about the good pitchers, you got to get them early. I like the approach early, but uh, after uh, inning after the second inning, you pretty much knew how this one was going to go, and they they were going to you know they didn't get many bleeders going through, they didn't get any bloops until later in the game, and maybe that's just a byproduct of bad luck or these balls couldn't find holes, but they they weren't really hit hard enough to to put it in that situation. Like you said, early in the game, they got the ball in the air, outs but got the ball in the air. That's what you want to do for some colors. He wants to induce weak ground balls and ground balls to get you out. And that's exactly what happened. I think he induced 11 ground balls in the day and you're not going to win like that. White Sox are one of the highest ground ball rate teams in the nation. I think they're third behind like the nationals. I forgot the other team, but the at-bats were good, but not great. So not striking out is a plus, but 
the weak contact, a lot of balls right back to McCullers, a lot of balls right up the middle where they're just shifted right perfectly for your uh, your offense. I mean, I think Lurie hit a rocket right back up the middle and, and Correa just right there just to take it. So they didn't play great, but I don't think it's from a lack of effort. It looks lifeless because you don't put any runs on the board and yeah. very little hits through five, and then they explode uh, afterwards with a couple hits off Kendall Graveman. And when uh, McCullers was struggling at the end of his uh, start, they got a couple more hits off of him. Which but- I, think it, I think is good. Like If you can get to their bullpen, they looked very nervous about their bullpen. That, like that, Oh, we, yeah, they're th- not good. That's the vulnerability of this Astros team is that bullpen. So if you can get to Valdez early tomorrow and get into that bullpen, you already got into the bullpen today. So if you can sort of finish the job, and I know you've got the off day on Saturday, but if you can get into them even earlier – uh, then that's where you have a chance to steal this day, this game, and that's where Lucas got to come up big uh, in game two. So I, I, I do think there's hope here, and I'm sticking with my my socks and four prediction here because this game pretty much shook out exactly how I thought it would. Um, should we bounce back to the voicemails here before we get out of here? Let's do it. Hello there, boys. Hello. Yeah, it's me, Paul. Correct. Oh, hey, Paul. Um, Aftermath of game one. Um, you both know Gene Hondo was at the same place I was at. So Paul, Paul Correct DM'd me today with a, a picture, a selfie, but over his shoulder was the great Gene Honda, the Sox uh, stadium uh, announcer, uh, one of the all-time greats, also does Blackhawks and uh, the voice of the NCAA tournament, Gene Honda, one of the and a line eye too, sir. Yeah, I was going to ask. I wasn't sure. I, I was very, I was very apprehensive about that. But yeah, a line eye as well. So Gene Honda was out watching the game. So Paul Correct thought that was a good omen. Uh, turned out to be bad luck. I will <laughs> say he did mention very astutely the the White Sox offense is either hot or cold. Clearly today, cold. Honestly, guys, it starts with TA. Gets his first hit in the eighth. Kind of a standard TA hit. Should have had it in the first inning. He has that eighth inning hit in the first inning. I truly think things are different. Uh, that The only other good thing coming out of this game was how good Crochet looked. His stuff looked freaking ridiculous. You know what? Fuck Tecna. It looked fucking ridiculous. <laughs> oh, um, that was huge. His, his velocity was up. Stuff looked good. We'll need him if we can actually win any games in the playoffs. God damn it. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. Can't wait to hear you guys on the score, and I can not swear that your post-game shows. I mean, you can. Nice to fucking swear now. Get a <laughs> win dump you. on Saturday. Go Sox. Friday. Bye. Um, the I, so I get the transcriptions here on the voicemail, so I can kind of read through them before I play them, even though it's never really accurate. Uh, so he says, "Let's get a win Saturday, go Sox." But the transcription says, "Let's get a win Saturday, Cossacks." <laughs> so yeah, it's a little, <laughs> yeah, a little uh, behind the scenes humor here. But thank you, Paul. And I want to hear from from all, all of our callers on on Sunday night. We will be on six seven the score doing post game. For Game Three, hopefully we're talking about the Sox in in a uh, looking towards a clinching game, Game Four, and hopefully we're talking about Dylan C showing out, which I think is very much in play. Uh, did you see when Monday's game is? I did. I did. Uh, Monday's so game you, was it? A, is it two thirty seven? Is that the first pitch time for Monday? 
Yeah, you like you play a night game the night before. <laughs> the other team that possibly could have a game, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Red Sox, play the afternoon game only because we have the marathon on Sunday. Then they get to have the night game on Monday. What the what the hell, man? We get to be exhausted and a pitcher that we pitched on Sunday night, like an, out of the relief, probably can't be available for a Monday afternoon game because we're the third and fourth markets. Oh, it's just so irritating. Like they're the, the networks are killing me. And another thing before I leave, y'all stay off of Adam and me and AJ Presensky. That bullshit y'all is talking about, sorry, Techno. Okay. About them being fans for the Astros and pro Astros. What the fuck are they supposed to say about good about the White Sox? Did you watch that game? Did you see what the White Sox were doing? What were they oh Lance Lynn, he's out there doing great, giving up five earned runs. What are they supposed to say? Oh, and the White Sox are looking awesome in these at-bats, only having one hit through five innings. Come on now. And people who know better out here feeding the dummies, the meatballs, and saying things that, you know, saying that AJ's pro Astros and that Adam Amin, Bulls announcer, guy grew up here, is anti-White Sox. It's just trash. They're the, the broadcast was the way it was, and they're professionals, is because our team was trash today. So if you don't like it, take your frustrations out on the team, not on those professional broadcasters, especially most of you people love A.J. Brzezinski. That's your guy. What the hell's the phone number? 312. What do you think the 12 is for? A.J. Brzezinski. <laughs> I just, I'm just so pissed off at the Twitter sphere just going off on these two guys. Now, if you want to talk about the broadcast and how many times they Ooh. cut into commercials yeah. in the middle of action, yeah, you could talk about that. But the two guys that were doing the play-by-play and the analysts are professionals, and they did a great job today. Yeah, you know, um, if you're watching a, a bad Sox game as we did today, and there was a, a, a you know, it happened in, in inning one, the top of the first yeah. where they switched over to a commercial, and then it happened during a, a double play later in the game. Like, if you're going to switch over to something in the middle of a Sox game, how about don't do a commercial? Maybe something I'd like to watch, like maybe you know the Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos, or maybe the Ozymandias episode of Breaking Bad. Switch over to something good that I would much rather watch than the White Sox, not some commercial. But yeah, that was that was a rough uh, rough look for Sox fans. We've got to be better. Uh, but also, I think maybe we you know we we all should stay off Twitter because it's nothing but a cesspool of negativity. Especially oh oh, what the fuck is up? White Sox Twitter. We got to be better, White Sox Twitter. Adam Amin's one of our own here, and he's on the national stage, and this is where we have a chance to improve our reputation as a fan base, okay, and not, not make it worse. So that was unfortunate. You know it's bad when the play-by-play man during the damn game has to go on Twitter and vent his frustrations with what people are saying. You know, you don't see that a lot, but I, I must yep. I knew that it was really getting to him, so that was that was unfortunate, man. Um, got, got to be better than that. Um, let's close it out. One more voicemail, Herb. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris Herb, sorry, my girl interrupted me. This is Demo for Denver. Watched the game today, absolute sadness. Uh, if it was up to me, I would have went GOC, then taking a minute home in game three, but it is what it is. Uh, so we got Geo tomorrow on the mound. We got a win there. Take it home, one-to-one. Uh, we got Cease on the mound, game three. I would like to know who you guys got game four. I would like to see Michael Kopech out there. Uh, do you guys think Los is ready? or uh, Let's see what you guys got to say. Appreciate you guys. Love listening. 
Peace out from Denver. Yeah, her. What do you think? Uh, game four. If they're lucky enough to get there, they certainly won't. If uh, they can duplicate, uh, replicate the outing that they did uh, today. But uh, game four, your coach Tony, you got your baseball pants on. What's what's your game plan here for the starting pitcher? I'm going with Carlos Rodon. They, they said he looked good today in in his session. So yeah, I got to have him. I mean, if we're gonna continue the narrative of Lance Lynn is always bad versus the Houston, Houston, the Texas Rangers, Houston, I'm Houston Texas Astros, Rangers. yeah, you're Houston right. Astros. I'm just getting my Texas teams. Don't doubt places. yourself, Herb. <laughs> you um, right. If he's bad versus the Houston Astros, that means that the two starts this year with Rodon, I know we don't have the premium stuff he had then, should be pitching versus him in game four. And hopefully we get to game four because today's effort leaves a little something to be desired. I want the guys to come out later on and crush Framber and then get to that bullpen and then play flawless defense. Jose looked all right so i think by tomorrow he'll be back to his regular self he got an rbi single our only run driven in was classic jose inside out swing and dumping that into right center field i think game four carlos rodon close out white Sox. yeah I, you know i don't have the inside information on on how good he looked what the velocity is going to be but i'd have a very uh, rigid bullpen plan for for Wednesday. I would start with Rodon, and then I would immediately piggyback him with Kopech. Like I would have a strict plan of what I'm going to do. I would not deviate from the plan, and I would make sure, especially if you are. It, it doesn't matter if you get in Game Four; it's huge either way. You got to have it because you don't want to go back to Houston. Um, so I would I would have a really strict plan of how, of how you operate that thing. I'd go Kopech four three innings, and then take it from there. So yeah, I agree. But Rodon definitely deserves to get the start there, especially if he, if if you say he looks good in the side session and he's not hurt, you got to roll him out there, man, because that's you know the, when the stuff plays and he's feeling good. And and like I said, you know you may even catch Houston off guard a little bit with the timing. They may be expecting one thing and then get the other thing with Rodon. You know, is it sustainable? Probably not. But you're just trying to win games one game at a time here in a short sample size. So that's what I would do as well. I would start with Los. All right. Back after a short time out on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever and all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. They've got a new updated website and interface with even more odds, props, and contests. And Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. For example, taking a look at the big lines for this weekend across the NFL. I know if you are a Bears fan, you're looking at this one. Bears visiting the Raiders. A lot of you guys and girls are making that trip out there. Shout out to my guys, Parkinson Spiegel. They're making the trip. You're taking a look at the line here. Bears five and a half point dogs here. Justin Fields has just been named the starter for the remainder of the season. It's his show now. Bears five and a half point dogs. Right now, over-under set at 44 if you want to jump in on that one. Maybe you think the Bears' defense can stop the Raiders' offense, similar to how the Chargers did it on Monday night. Maybe you want to bet that under on that one. I'm inclined to take the under there, and I think the Bears will cover. And, of course, we got baseball there as well. If you're looking to make a play on the Sox game today, White Sox. One and a half run dogs in this one. Over-under set at eight. Lucas Giolito on the bump. White Sox plus 108 on the money line. They're 108ing. Maybe you want to make this game a little bit more interesting at Bet Online. Head to the website now. Or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget our promo code locked on. 
from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. So we should talk about what we're going to do for the next show here. We will have the recap. We will be doing a Friday night recap of the show for our final show of the week. Lucas Giolito, 2018, worst pitcher in baseball. I can't say his name without without saying the the, the thing, the Stephen B. Smith thing. Uh, he's going up against uh, Framber Valdez. Uh, I'm saying it right, Framber, right? Yeah, Fram- yeah, Framber. Yeah. Did you go to any? Uh, did you go to high school with anyone named Framber? No, no. But a couple of Unieskis, though. <laughs> exactly. So, Giolito versus Valdez, big one. Absolutely have to have it. We're going to be feeling a lot different. I'm, I'm maintaining my positivity here. I think they will bounce back with this one. I think you know they, they you know, getting those that run across the board late in this one. I think that'll help them out tomorrow. And you know, Valdez is not going to be as good. I don't. I don't think as McCullers was today uh, you know that that was a tough customer in McCullers so hopefully they get a break in that regard and Lucas Giolito can be the guy who he's been for basically uh, the you know last the, the second half of the season he's been uh, uh, an outstanding pitcher so hopefully we get some more of that we'll be back on with a Friday night recap so hang with us and uh, we'll have that show posted tomorrow evening because we work during the day then we reconvene at night to recap the uh, the game so one o'clock start that's gonna be really, really tough. Like I'm gonna be watching my last hour of working, and then I gotta jump over to the Shane seat and well, just wha- we and should act just... like I'm listening to the Parkinson Spiegel show. Well, they're gonna be in Vegas, so they know we're not gonna be listening. Um, so we not should just uh, we should just leave the recorder open on the desk between us while we're watching the game, and then I'll chop it up later. It may, it may be more entertaining, and it may be more efficient use of our time. So that's what we're doing Friday night show. Hopefully, recapping a White Sox winner, and do not forget. Uh, we'll be doing the post-game show on Sunday on 6-7 The Score, immediately following Westwood One's coverage of Kansas City and Buffalo, or immediately after the White Sox game, whichever of those ends first. So uh, that's all I got here, Herbie. And uh, but real quick here on the way out, of course, uh, I got to play it. Have a great night. Don't talk to me tomorrow about what happened, friends. I know I'm going to see you at the health club. Yeah, don't talk to me tomorrow about this one, because hopefully we'll be talking about a winner tomorrow, Herb. That is Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23. And thanks for listening to Locked on Socks. Is, uh, sorry. Thanks for listening to Locked on Socks for your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow with a recap of the White Sox winner versus the Houston Astros and then coming back home on Sunday. And like Chris said, do not miss us after Sunday night's game. Immediately, you're at the game. Turn on 670 to score. We'll be there breaking down post game. So you will not want to miss that. For Chris, I'm Herb. Thank you for listening to Locked on Socks. All right. Thank you, sir.